leadership is is it's not it's not about me. It's not about my accomplishments. It's about team and what we've accomplished. And and again, I just love to see even if it's individually what what the people I serve what they accomplish. That is absolutely what it's all about. Leadership is not a, a superhero type syndrome. Uh, where you have the weight of the world on, on your shoulders and you have to hold it alone. That's that's a myth and it's a lie. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. We bring you leaders acting on their environmental values because too many people told me, I want to act, but if others don't, then what I do won't matter. We're here to make it obvious that you're not alone. You're part of a global community, a majority. Also, too many people told me, Doing small things doesn't make enough of a difference, and big things take too much work. Action matters more than the size you start with. You'll hear how action motivates guests from small things to doing big things. You won't find guilt, blame, doom, gloom, or telling people what to do. You will find leading without relying on authority, which brings what I found missing from acting on environmental values. Joy, discovery, growth, community, meaning, purpose, value, sharing. With global demand for environmental action, I bet you'll see that acting on your values doesn't distract from your life and career. Follow in these leaders' footsteps, and beyond enjoying the environment, I bet you'll see promotions, raises, more loyalty and trust in your relationships, and more. Daniel Bauer is a principal who makes a difference far beyond his school or district through communities online and off When I was younger, I thought of education as less important than things like business, politics, or things that involved a lot more money. I thought teachers, they only affect their classrooms. Principals only affect their schools. I'm teaching now. Education means much more to me than it used to. I've since realized that educators affect society in a much bigger way. Yeah, some teachers and principals only affect a few people, but Daniel Bauer affects a lot more. He affects the world. He also affects his teachers and his students much more intimately and deeply and effectively, and he tells how he clashes with tradition. But the bigger thing for me right here, right now on the Leadership in the Environment podcast is the challenge that he takes on. Wait till you hear his personal challenge. I think it's one of the biggest ones we've had so far. So let's listen. Daniel, thanks for being here. How are you doing? I am absolutely thrilled. You know, this is the highlight of my day that I get to speak with you, Josh. Uh, I had you on, on my podcast and, and you just blew me out of the water. And uh, the the reciprocation asking me to be over here with you is absolutely the highlight of my day. Well, thank you, Daniel. That's been a great interview, and I think we'll just end there because it sounds so great. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So, thousand uh, percent right now. <laughs> so, I was on Daniel's podcast uh, probably six months ago now, and yeah, yeah. and so you do better leaders, better schools, and combining two great, great passions of mine: so leadership and education. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, tell me, how did you? How did you go into this area? Do you remember what got started? You uh, what what got you started? Absolutely. You know, Josh, it was, it came out of some pain, right? I was moving into a leadership role and not that I, I lacked confidence. I think I had a, a perspective that was pretty realistic that I, I, I still have so much more to grow. And that's true today, even though I've been quote unquote leading for a while now. I wanted to have more training. And I wanted to have authentic and vulnerable and deep conversations about leadership and not just like what are the wins, what are the successes, but I want to know what were those big mistakes so I could avoid them. And I was I was trying to organize these local dinners. Uh, they went okay. And I think because of traffic and kids, 
and all these other competing forces, they didn't happen as consistently as my heart desired. The ironic part about this, Josh, is when I moved from a local perspective, and, and this was in a you know a large area, Chicago, third largest city, right? And, and moved, sudden, so you're in Chicago, sure. you're a teacher at the stage, or like what's moving, the context? Yeah, yeah, teaching, moving into instructional leadership with a guarantee that I would move into an assistant principal position after completing my graduate coursework. Okay. And and so I just I feel underprepared and overwhelmed and I want to do a great job and serve my community at the highest level possible. And so these dinners are happening, but not quite, you know, as consistently as I'd like. Meanwhile, I'm listening to a bunch of podcasts of, about a variety of topics. And I just have this aha moment that what if I just interviewed people much smarter with me with much, much more experience and I just picked their brain? What what have you learned about leadership in education? And I could have this personalized professional development offered as a free gift to anybody that wanted to download. The the show was birthed out of that. But the, the irony, again, moving from a local trying to make some change and get fed and I, I opened it up to global. That's when the conversation actually occurred when I included everybody's voice. And so the conversation, you mean the podcast? Correct. Yeah. And it was neat, you know, because I wasn't just speaking with educators uh, in the U.S., talking to people in, in Canada, Australia, uh, Netherlands and all around the world. So it's it's been quite a ride and, and quite, you know, an adventure for me so far. Now, you've said that it's. You told me before that all of everything you do is based in education. It's based in teaching. So a, a principal is sometimes they'll they'll have a classroom role, but I, I I'm really curious about teaching leadership. Is that something that like I don't feel like there are classes in leadership at the high school level or the K to twelve level. How do you teach leadership? How do you learn leadership? When I was an assistant principal uh, at Brooks College Prep in Chicago. Uh, I like to teach a class that was every other Wednesday and we had this special schedule that we called seminar and, and, P, and students could participate. It, it was from everything from yoga to building robots um, to braiding natural hair. And I, t I taught a seminar on leadership and really it was having, again, authentic conversations with these students, these young adults and finding out what was a, a, a problem that they wanted to solve or what was some type of goal that they were, uh, you know, interested in accomplishing? And then just having those very real conversations about, well, how are you going to get there? And I think I, I naturally gravitate towards roles where I can be a coach and ask great questions, try to really be an active listener and help people get started on that path and, and, Try to, you know, knock out whatever goals they have set for themselves. So that's that's what I did, you know, with students uh, and then with adults. You know, I think it's it's empowering people and giving them trust in terms of projects to lead and feedback and how to improve. Uh, but, you know, with Better Leaders, Better Schools, I've I've started the mastermind concept in the education industry. And that's because I had invested myself in a mastermind outside of education just for personal development. And I saw my own growth uh, happen so quickly and so deeply that I looked at, at schools and just like the podcast, I saw a hole. When, when you become a principal, this is what I felt, underprepared, overwhelmed, and who was there to support us? It just, it just wasn't there. 
the things that you talked about, about how you educate students as well, I guess younger students as well as adult students, I mean, I heard you talking about conversations, you talked about listening, you talked about empowering people, trusting them, about giving them leadership roles. This doesn't sound like what I had when I was a student. I had sure. lecture and assignments to do <laughs> what I was told. Are you in, in conflict with traditional education? Are you reforming traditional education? Are you working outside of it? Because yeah. I'd love to have stuff like that in, in schools. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that model, that traditional model is just such a bore for me. And it puts me to sleep. And I, I, I look at the eyes of my students as a school leader, and they're glazed over when the teacher takes the role of just lecturer. It has to be, in my mind, a conversation and ultimately around solving interesting problems and engaging in projects that are meaningful and authentic. Without without that, like, what is the point of what we're doing? And the best version is when it's personalized and it comes from your students, whether they are, you know, the kiddos you're working with or the adults you're trying to also develop. But when it comes from them and they say, this is where I'm trying to go and you help them figure it out, that's what makes it, that's what makes it real. So I'm absolutely in conflict with uh, a traditional setting. Now, I think, you know, in some respects, right, it, it has to be, the kids have to be exposed to it because uh, a lot of colleges, universities still default to that and a lot of the high schools, elementary schools as well. But to, to make a, a real change, the, the type of citizen and human being we're trying to produce and I think can offer the greatest benefit to society, these are people that are wildly passionate about some type of issue and they want to make a difference, which is why we're having this conversation and what you do with uh, leadership in the environment. I want to get to that, the environment. And I'm really curious, like this effort that you're putting in sounds like it's above and beyond. You, it sounds like some of these people, it's the first time a principal is going to, some of these teachers, it's going to be the first time that a principal's in, in their room. What's, what's driving, what's your, I'm hearing passion. Mm -hmm. And what's the passion? Is it support? Is it the students? Is it, what's, where does this come from? Because I don't remember seeing the teacher in my classroom when I was, when I was in K to 12. At the core, I'm a teacher, and I love the classroom. I used to say when I was a teacher, I'm an artist, and the canvas is my classroom. And then I moved into school leadership. I never wanted to do it, Josh, but somebody called out leadership gifts they saw in me and invi invited me to participate uh, leading a school with them. Otherwise, I'd, I'd still be a teacher and, and very happy. Uh, but as I explored leadership and started working at a, a more systems and building level, uh, I never forgot my roots of, of why I got into education. And at the core of it, I love to see that light bulb go on above someone's head. I love to see people grow. Because, for example, last night we were uh, I, I, I facilitated three masterminds. And I'll, I'll share a very quick story about one. And this guy, Joe, who is in Illinois, and he leads uh, technology within a, a, a northern suburb of Chicago School District. He has this uh, um, leadership and technology team, and he just wanted he wanted to, you know, ask the mastermind how they could be more impactful and really see their work through. What could they do? And we gave him, let's say, 20, at least 20 ideas. But at the at the end of his quote unquote hot seat, and it's about 30 minutes where we're asking hard hitting questions and just sharing 
you know, experiences and saying, have you thought of this? He is ear to ear grinning and so excited about his role and the potential of this group that he has an opportunity to lead. Like, that's what it's all about. To see that smile, to have somebody feel like, I didn't know that this was even possible. And now they have this momentum and a path to get there. That's why I do what I do. I think every interview, I'm struck by how every person who's an effective leader that I speak to, they're more driven by the other person than by themselves. And it contrasts with this, it conflicts with, I think, the mainstream view of the leaders, like the authoritarian person who's in charge and tells people what to do, and it's about them. And the driving, it, it seems to be consistently about the other people and their interests and their perspective and how can I help them. Is that something, does that fairly characterize how you see it, how, what, what drives you? Absolutely. Uh, leadership is, is it's, not, it's not about me. It's not about my accomplishments. It's about team and what we've accomplished. And, and again, I just love to see, even if it's individually, what, what the people I serve, what they accomplish. That is absolutely what it's all about. Leadership is not a, a superhero type syndrome. Uh, where you have the weight of the world on, on your shoulders and you have to hold it alone. That's that's a myth and it's a lie. And too many leaders believe that and they get they get burnt out. They they turn into jerks really when you're trying to do it on your own and you're not even fun to fun to be around. And, and, and if you have any impact or change that you you place in a organization, it won't last because it's probably driven by power or fear. How do you keep yourself invigorated and not lose? I mean, you, there's like a lot of administra- a lot of uh, bureaucracy out there. Mm-hmm. It must be it must be frustrating. I don't know. How do you how do you handle these things? I think I think it is challenging, but that's why making sure you surround yourself with people that are gonna be safe to talk to, that are gonna challenge you when you get off your path, or you're just flat out wrong. You have folks that are going to encourage you to be the best version of yourself. You got you got to do it in community and not in isolation. Uh, so that's why, you know, for me, I offer those masterminds for school leaders and I participate in one that I invest in outside of the ones that, that I lead. And I think that's the single greatest way to stay invigorated. To be quite honest, Josh, my my school experience uh, last year in Houston was extremely rough. I mean, it was one of the hardest things that I've ever gone through. And, you know, it's almost it's I'm still processing it. Let's just put it that way. And I don't understand why some things uh, happened the way they did. And to be quite honest, like there were many times that I was ready to give up or I was ready to start just like screaming. This isn't fair. And this is why and sort of like blow the whistle type thing. But because of the mastermind I participate in. Uh, they help they help me keep a level head and a proper perspective based on what I was going through. But it was extremely, extremely rough. Are you enjoying meeting this guest? Are you thinking about what you care about? I recommend making it active. Think about what you could do, not just analyze and plan, not do what others tell you to, but to live by your values. You'll enjoy your results. People will follow you more than you think, and you'll impact more than you expect. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast for examples of what others have done. So I feel like a lot of people can learn a lot from what you're doing. And it's, this is not just the stuff that's useful for, for people who are leading education. How can people learn from you? Is it, there's a podcast, there's, what can people get from you? How do, how do they find out, how do they learn more from you? 
Yeah, so I think the easiest way to connect is uh, betterleadersbetterschools.com. That's that's at least the website that's up right now. Uh, I have been approached, you know, that folks that, that want to be in masterminds and do that type of work uh, outside of education. So I got to figure out how to serve them in that way. It's not it's not necessarily ready yet, but maybe in the future. Uh, Email is Daniel at Better Leaders, Better Schools. Or you can find me everywhere on social media, Alien Earbud, which is just a weird anagram. When you take my name, Daniel Bauer, mix up the letters. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's your Twitter handle. Right, right. And from a branding perspective, probably pretty stupid. You know, it's not like better schools or yay for education, anything like that. It's Alien Earbud. What does that have to do with, you know, anything that you do with podcasts, small business or, or schools? And so, I don't know, as a former English teacher, I love word games. And I mixed up all the letters in my name and, and found something that sounded uh, kind of fun. And uh, visually, I, I you know, I, I saw an alien with uh, some like iPhone headphones in or something. And I said, OK, I'll take that. And there you have it. You're as geeky as I am. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I want to switch. That's, the... that's a compliment, by the way. Well, I, I imagine the listeners, it fits with them as well. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe I've become cool enough in my old in my in my years that I have some cool people listening too. Uh, I want to switch to the environment now, if it's not yeah. too abrupt a switch. But, no, uh, okay. And is environment something that you care about? Is that a big important thing for you? What, how, what's your connection with the environment? It is something that, that I, I care about, you know, and, and I was thinking deeply about, you know, the question you're going to ask in terms of something that I could commit to. And there was a time where I rode my bike every single day, um, to work for about three, three or four years. Uh, maybe it was five. Uh, so I was trying to think what could what could I do that would make an impact on the environment and special. And so I think I have an answer for you. And uh, if, if you don't like it, we'll adjust. <laughs> OK, before you said, I'll just say what the usual qualifications are. It doesn't have to be changing the world overnight and fixing all the problems of the world. It right. doesn't have to be really big, but it does have to be a challenge and it does have to be something that you care about. And I hope that uh, I mean, some people pick something that they want to make a change for their whole life, but it can be temporary. It has to be something new that you're not already doing. And But your choice of things, and I hope that even if you do something temporary, that you think, like you might say, I'll do something for a week or a month or two months or something, but you also say, with the keeping your mind open to continuing doing it for longer. Yes. And it could be uh, lowering greenhouse emissions, but it could be totally separate. It could be reducing pollution or reducing resource depletion. So... Uh, yeah, it sounds like you had something. Yeah, so like I said, I've 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 commuted to work on my bike for a very long time, but I've already done that, so I can't choose that one. And I did that in Champaign-Urbana. I did that in Chicago, uh, Illinois as well. But I always owned a car. Now in in Chicago, there was public transfer transportation available. Uh, but I still use my car to get to friends' places uh, at, at, a, at a work um, location that was a little bit further away. I commuted by car, uh, pick up groceries and that kind of thing. And I've always owned a car. Then I moved from Chicago to Houston and trains and buses and those kind of things, they, they exist, but I haven't seen them, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> Everybody owns a car here, uh, probably because it's the center of oil and gas. Everybody drives. The the uh, expressways are incredibly clogged up, and that's just the way you get around. So you know that Miriam and I are moving to Antwerp, Belgium. Uh, we are both committing to getting around by bike 
we both own a car. So it's not that we're going to go from two cars, which we are right now, to one car. Uh, but we're going to sell both cars and we're not going to buy another one. And our goal is to not buy another one for the very distant future. Um, I know that, that Europe has pretty good public transportation, so I think we can rely on that foot and then um, bike commuting. Uh, but we have zero plans right now in investing in a car. And, and for me, that, that'll benefit the environment, but it's also a little bit scary, Josh, because I've always owned one since 16, you know, and I'm almost, uh, I'm almost 40, uh, and I've, I've always had a car, and that's going to be a challenge for me. So is this something that you're going to do anyway before you and I scheduled this call, or is this something that came about because of scheduling this call? We were having conversations about it, uh, what we should do. Uh, one of the one of the things that we're thinking about as we move uh, from Galveston to Antwerp is how can we live more simply? And so uh, we've been asking a lot of questions. We've been giving away and selling a lot of material possessions. Something that has really hit home in our hearts is you know you don't bring this stuff to the grave with you. What what you bring, you know, is hopefully those experiences and uh, that love that you share with with other people. Uh, and and so we've been going back and forth whether or not, like, do do we invest in a car or not? And and uh, this we've been having the conversation. This podcast also, you know, uh, that question was brought into the discussion. And so we've we've arrived with the idea that we're not going to. Uh, purchase a car for at least the first year and and uh, hopefully thereafter wow so that's making this is making a big difference and uh all right so then in the interest of having a second conversation because i'm very interested in hearing how this this decades-long pattern that you're changing right how that affects you and you're going to a new place so you're going to be a lot of changes now if i remember right you're moving there in about three weeks yeah so how long after you get there do you feel like you will have to experience the transition before you can say before our next conversation will have something meaningful because if you're there a day you'll probably be like oh, i haven't really noticed a change right yeah i would say a few months because here's the thing you know i, I want to uh i want to experience um bringing miriam to work by bike right and not dropping her off by car i want to experience getting groceries uh week after week you know either on, on my bike or taking public transportation i want to experience terrible weather <laughs> it when i miss when i miss the car you know we're having to rely on public transportation so I, i'd like a few months so that so that the hardship of it um can set in you know uh and and the the ease of just being able to go down to the garage and throw your keys in the ignition and, and go to wherever you want whenever you want uh, I, wa- I want i want some time to have passed so that challenge actually uh has manifested so we're talking a big change, and you've you've thought through it, but you also know that only by experiencing it are you going to get the experience. Yeah. So let's see. So if it's beginning of September when it begins, then how about talking mid-November? That'd be good. I think it'll be a little bit colder, and, and maybe the rains have come into Belgium, and uh, I think that'd be great. Cool. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this because this may be one of the bigger changes, and I'm really I can't wait till November. Is there anything I didn't think to ask that's worth bringing up? Anything you're looking forward to or whatever? I'm just looking forward to the move. I don't know even what to expect, so that's kind of a change in itself. 
and I'm, I'm just really interested in how how I will grow as a individual um, with this move. So I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, Miriam's job's bringing us over there. She's working at the University of Antwerp. Uh, so we'll just, we'll just see. But I'm on an adventure with somebody I love, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Cool. Yeah, I, th- I think you told me before we started recording. I'm gonna break the news to everyone that you guys, you guys got engaged. How recently? Well, yeah, that was early July. It was a short engagement. We've been dating for a while, but uh, engaged on uh, July 5th and married uh, July 21st. So yeah, we've, yeah, been, yeah. <laughs> we've been married woo, about two weeks at this point. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time for the time for this call. I'm sure your mind is on other things, oh, but man. of of big changes. Okay, so then I will talk to you again in a couple months, uh, a little more than a couple months, and uh, I'm kind of curious about updates in the meantime because i'm sure you'll be changes but well everyone will get to hear the 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 update when it happens absolutely thank you very much i look forward to talking to you then this was such a pleasure josh thank you for inviting me on the show okay so we'll cut there and yeah this is that's like a big change i mean it sounds (laughs) like you were most of the way there anyway but you know so many people when i talk about not flying they Uh say well the plane was going to fly anyway but sometimes like it makes a big change. Like that little bit makes not getting a car. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it might be a little change that most of the time doesn't affect whether the plane is going to fly, but sometimes it does. Right. And in this case, it looks like it, it made the difference between car or no car. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's always been there, you know? Um, so probably at some point, like maybe I'll think about a cell phone that way. It's just, it's always there right now. Right. It's just ingrained in the life. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that works. Uh, not having the convenience and that to fall back on as a crutch is interesting. I anticipate. I don't know. Maybe I sound naive. I anticipate not being as challenging until maybe what if we get pregnant, you know? And then, then what? Then what do we do? Uh, but we've talked about it, and we're still we're still committed to figuring it out and uh, taking a bus or an Uber to the hospital if that happens. <laughs> Well, you know, it turns out that human beings have been human beings for about 300,000 years, and right, cars right. have only been around for a little bit. Yeah, and you can yeah. say, yeah, well, there's a lot of people didn't live as well, but it's not a life or death thing. Right. Yeah. You know, and I'm a budget guy, too, so I'm really excited for the, the financial rewards as well. So we'll see. We'll yeah, see. It'll, it'll help you choose where you live because you're going you're gonna to probably want to live close to where you work and make things easier that way. Right. Well, cool. I look for. I, I'm really looking forward to this one. I thank you for for thinking about it and coming up with something like that. Ah, absolutely. And uh, again, thanks for inviting me. It's so cool to hear how this uh, this has evolved for you. And if there's anything I could do to to help, let me know. I will. All right. Thank you very much. All right, Josh. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Getting rid of a car for someone in Texas. For a long time, I've wondered how much of an impact this podcast was going to have. Is it going to lead to meaningful change? Getting rid of a car seems pretty big to me. Okay, he was thinking about already, and Antwerp was going to make it easier. In Europe, it's a lot easier than in Texas. But still, I see it as a big deal. For you listening at home, what are you thinking about? I'm sure you're listening, thinking about something you could do, something that you have wanted to do for a while. Getting rid of a car seems like a pretty big one. I hope it inspires you. Also, where was Daniel when I was in school? systems affecting people making a difference in their worlds not lecturing this is the type of educator i hope that we all learn from and certainly i want to hear how this goes going without a car 
for the first time in a long time in a new place, I think we're going to hear something good on the next episode. Does hearing leaders acting on their values make you think of yours? Nothing will make you feel better than acting on them. Value means better. Acting on your values means improving your life. Committing publicly helps many people and builds community too. If you want, click on Commit to a Personal Challenge to share what you do with this community. You'll be a leader among leaders. We're more than a podcast. We're a movement to share how acting on environmental values means fun, joy, growth, and so on, not sacrifice or deprivation. If you want to join or help, contact me at josh at spodak.net or at joshuaspodak.com slash podcast. You'll grow as a leader, you'll enjoy yourself, and the world and your communities will thank you for it.